Hello, thank you for joining me this week. I'm your host, Tyson Stanger, and this is Life Stamps, stories from here and there. This week, I got the opportunity to interview a pretty interesting person named Josh, who works at um, a hotel in El Paso, Texas, called the Gardner Hotel, which is also kind of like a part hotel, part hostel, and... um, got to ask a lot of questions pertaining to his life, his experiences, and much more. Stay tuned after a word from my sponsor, and you can hear the whole interview. So thank you, Josh. Uh, I'm uh, very excited. You're like my first interview, so this awesome. is pretty new waters for me, and I'm uh, happy to be interviewing with you. And thanks um, for having me. I enjoy this hostel a lot. What huh? can you say about it? Oh man, honestly, it's it's a privilege. It's an honor to be working here. It's a uh, part of El Paso's history, so it feels pretty good to actually get the chance and opportunity to work at this hotel. Yeah, have you used to hang out in this neighborhood a lot before you like started working here or is it just kind of like you knew it was here then you kind of mm. moved over here type of thing? I actually did grow up in this side of town. I grew up uh, like two minutes away from the actual downtown and I used to walk around this area a bunch of, a bunch of times when I was growing up. So I did know about this hotel. I did pass by so many times. I just never had the courage to come in. Oh, really? Yeah. Why, why was that? Because it just seemed kind of stuffy or um, like, like sort of like bougie? I, w- I don't want to say, I don't want to say intimidating. I just, I don't know. For some reason, I, I felt kind of scared for some reason. Like, <laughs> like you were trespassing or something. You just like, no, I can't go in that hotel without a reservation guess, or something. I guess it was kind of something like that. Because since I, I wasn't going to rent a room or anything like that, I, I was kind of hesitant to always just come in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is this your first hostel that you've ever worked at? Yes, it's my first time actually working at a hotel. Oh, cool. Yes. Yeah, uh, you know, I uh, volunteered at a hostel in Portland for a while, and then because of the pandemic hit, and then right. the hostel had to fail, unfortunately. So, you know, that kind of happened, but I still like have the admirations to do it at some point in my life. I just don't know. You know, we gotta wait for us to get around the turn, I think, before I yeah. can like really see where that's gonna take me. But I've talked to people before, wanted to open up a hostel, or I've wanted to be an event planner for a hostel, just anything that's really related yeah. to hospitality. You know, it's always been kind of my niche. Okay, and compared to like the other hostels that, that you uh, stayed at, how would you compare this to the other ones? This one's really cool because it's very historical, and I haven't yeah. stayed in very many places that have been historical. I've stayed at just a lot of Euro trash hostels through okay. my travels in Europe and stuff, and I've stayed at some really nice kind of like hacienda kind of setups in Mexico okay. and stuff that have been nice. great, you know, and you definitely get your, uh, your value for the pesos right. and stuff. And then, you know, in Europe, it's kind of like, depending on which country you're in, just depends on like... How much you have to spend for comfort and yeah, um, 
making good travel companions, right. good common okay. spaces, and good kitchens. Yeah, and then definitely, like, I guess the American dollar is a more, uh, it's more valuable in other countries, right? In some countries, in, in some, some countries, in some countries right? it's devalued. Okay. Scandinavia, you're just going to be like, why am I paying $10 for a beer? But that's just <laughs> something you have to get used to. And yeah. the nature's beautiful, but you have to cook. You have to cook and use the kitchen a lot more because nobody can really afford to, like, you know, go out and eat out and, you know, go to the clubs or anything like that. If so they you basically in Norway. have to go hunt for food or? No, no, no. I mean, you, you, you'll still buy things at the grocery store okay. and everything, but everything's still just going to be higher priced. Okay. So you, it's a lot more expensive. So what you pay for groceries kind of, I would say, comparatively in Norway, I mean, this might not be an accurate assessment, but it felt like, you know, even just getting myself three days worth of food from the grocery store is yeah. going to be almost the same as eating out at like, you know, like, uh, I don't know, the double dollar sign thing that you get on Yelp or something like right. this. Right. Okay. I get you. So it's hmm. just, you just got to budget for those kind of places. I think Japan's probably a similar thing with the yen. It's just different currencies, different yeah. countries, you know, it's just how it, how it stacks up. So for me, it's always been cheap to fly into Scandinavia, but then I would get a, a Ryanair flight to like Eastern Europe where my money would last longer if I was going to be out there for a month or longer. Wow, that's pretty cool, man. I wish I had the, the money to actually travel the, at, least, at least the States, at least. Because I would like to see different places. I haven't really been out of El Paso much. I have been, but not as much as you, though, that's for sure. <laughs> well, uh, I've been out of El Paso a lot because this is my first time here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I guess I have been uh, out of the country quite a bit and stuff, yeah. you know. But it doesn't really take that much money if you know how to set your budget right. If you don't have high standards, you can shoestring okay. together um, some pretty yeah. good adventures. It just depends on how much time you think you've got and, you know, how much you're willing to compromise, you know. If you're thinking, mm -hmm. wow, I'm just going to have this crazy, you know, like five-star experience every night of my life while I'm out and about, then <laughs> maybe you should spend all your time in Thailand. Yeah, I don't right. know. <laughs> you know, Thailand. it's... Wow. Which I've heard is an amazing country, beautiful beaches and everything to visit. I can only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could just watch, uh, see pictures or photos on Google. I think that'll do for now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I would love to go there. I just... <laughs> Who knows, like, in what chapter of my life I'll go there. I, I have a weird kind of perspective with traveling where I don't feel like it's, I have, it's right for me to, like, go to a new continent until I feel like I've finished all the business I have with, like, a certain continent. Okay, yeah. So I'm kind of almost been where I need to or want to experience in Europe. There's tons of places I haven't seen there still, but I've seen a lot of Europe. So I'm finally ready to probably try to like start dreaming about going to another continent at this point. Yeah, that would be amazing. But I've done that year after year after year now for each big holiday for about four years, five years straight. Okay, nice. With the exception of this year with the pandemic, of course, you know, which is keeping everything domestic. <laughs> yeah, did, did it restrict you from going to other places or wanting to go to other places because of the whole pandemic? Well, yeah, I mean, with the pandemic, I've just kind of, I don't know, like, how many people you know who may have been traveling internationally this year, but it just seems like it's been such a, you know, pain in the ass. You gotta, yeah. you know, it's either going to be tested or quarantined. 
or you know it's just like the documents change day to day you just yeah. never know what's going on so it's like i just don't want to deal with all that extra hassle yeah on top of my passport and everything yeah, else this, this whole pandemic just ruined everything for almost everyone yeah all around the globe it's it's just terrible like i, like I was telling you yesterday i did i did not expect this to happen in our lifetime yeah i don't think it's, anyone really did that's fair i mean it's just it's it's unbelievable just like you know it's like one minute it's, it seems like all right well we got to really lock this all out and then in, in a couple months you know it'll die and we won't have to deal with it yeah, and, yeah. you know n naturally most of the world doesn't want to give up a normal quality of life and here we are today <laughs> now we don't know what we can do <laughs> and then especially like when, when they did the whole lockdown like it, they shut everything down all the stores well, not all the major stores right just the the where you have to buy the necessities but being locked down for almost a whole month man I, that almost drives me crazy yeah to tell you the truth yeah, yeah, it was really surreal when it all started coming down last March and stuff, you know. Yeah. I was just like, oh, okay, because it was, for us, like, we had the whole, like, phases, right? Like, I guess they said, like, phase four was, like, everything's fully open yeah. or whatever. So it started going from, you know, where everything's, like, cases are starting to uh, kind of accumulate on the West Coast in Washington with, like, certain um, healthcare facilities and then next thing you know, then the governor is banning all events of 100 people. Then it went to all events of 50 people. Sure. Then the gyms shut down. Then the movie theaters shut down. And then, yeah. but I was still just kind of like, that's all right. I rarely do those things. Yeah. Or, and the shopping malls, I rarely go to those things. So I was still kind of telling myself, yeah, life's still pretty fucking good. Because <laughs> I still got my bars and, you know, yeah. still got my restaurants. And nobody really thinks this is going to last, you know. But once, like, the bars and the restaurants started hitting curfew and limited yeah, limited man. people, um, then it got real. Yeah, that, that was unbelievable. I didn't, it was crazy when they were shutting everything down. And, and when, when I would go to, like, Walmart just to buy stuff that I, I really needed, and you would see how dead the streets were. Yeah. It was surreal, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, and here has been crazy since I've been here, you know, because I did my walk around the city today, yeah. doing my explorations, you know. Um, what you think, man? Oh, I went to El Barrio Segundo. Yes. And checked it out. Nice. I, I went to the bakery there, Bowie's. Bowie's Bakery, nice. Bowie's dude. Bakery, got myself a, um, a roast con leche All from right, there. Dude. And I also got uh, just like sort of like this overly sweet chocolate pastry thing or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and stuff, so, and then, and I was just shot tons of photos because it's so surreal when you're in a in a city and on a windy day, you know, it's like it seemed like it was just unseasonably windy and cold today. So yeah. there's just trash blown around everywhere. And it's just like I could film garbage for hours today because <laughs> it's just like all the garbage was just kind of, you know, moving around El Paso in this weird kind of like dancing tornado kind of <laughs> situation. You know what? El Paso? El Paso, I'm not sure if I mentioned this to you yesterday, but El Paso does have bipolar weather. Yeah. We do, man. One day, one minute it'll be hot, and all of a sudden it's cold, and then it's raining, and it's windy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. What would be, like, one of the craziest, like, storms you ever remember growing up here? Uh, let's see. I think I will go back to 2006. 
2006, we had a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we had a major flood. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it got flooded. And this really is all bad. kind of a low valley and stuff with hills around here, so I yes. imagine that must have been not so good. <laughs> yeah, El, El Paso got hit with, with some heavy rain, and we, it, it, it did some damage, man. Yeah. It, it did. And that's one storm that I'll remember. And then uh, two, 2015, we got some really heavy snow. And that was the last time we got heavy snow, too. I should just mention that, too. <laughs> but I remember we, we, couldn't, we couldn't drive, so we were stuck at home for you a were, couple days. You were stuck here, and how, how much rain was on the streets? When it rained in 2006, oh, man, I think probably like three feet. It got wow. flooded really bad. That's just crazy. Yeah. So people are like too... canoeing <laughs> to <laughs> you each other's houses and shit. You know what? There is a video of somebody doing that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Especially on the west side part of town, since there's more, more hills up there. Yeah. So they, the other ones that got it the worst. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably because there's more crevices, so I, I assume it could probably build up and stuff. Yeah, yeah. and since that town is uh, considered the upper valley, there's a lot of houses that are coming uh, down from the mountain. Yeah. So it's almost kind of like hillside. So they, they got hit pretty bad. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, this problem in uh, Oregon when we have like three constant days of heavy rain or whatever. We get the possibility like on like certain like uh, forest roads and stuff, we get mudslides and then trees will literally get taken out from mud sliding Damn. and then be Ugh. blocking off roads <laughs> those are the big ass trees yeah they're big ass trees you know <laughs> i'm not sure we can say ass on your on your show <laughs> i think we can say ass because i haven't really found my regulation for what's kosher and what's not yet okay. but so i do um, apologize to you to your your listeners <laughs> yeah i apologize if um we've been offending anyone yeah. up to this point <laughs> but anyways so i checked in and you just gave me just like all this information about the history of this hotel and the history of El Paso yeah. and I was wanting to know if you'd care to talk about some of that because like I found like the, the story you were telling me about the, uh, how this used to be called Chico Town was really interesting yeah, to me. Yeah, Chico Town it used to be uh, there used to be a lot of pachucos what they call pachucos and they're they dress really nice and they have really nice uh, old school cars but that was back in maybe I, I would say like the 40s maybe the 50s Right. That those pachucos were around. It sounds kind of Cuban to me. Does it? Is, is that an accurate assessment? Where like I think about like you know like old gangster Cuba, yeah. like from the fifties and stuff, that, and how they like always kept all their classic cars and stuff. You know. I'm not Still, too sure if it's Cuban, but I, I don't know where that word originates from. Yeah. But I mean, there there used to be a lot of them here, but I, I don't know when they actually it's just like disappeared. But once in a while, like you'll see they like, the Old, old, uh, old school gangsters, they still dress up like that. Right, right. To, just to kind of bring it back a little bit, but I you're, don't know. You're talking like the suspenders and the fedoras. And, yes. And, yeah. Yeah, they had like really, uh, I wouldn't consider them baggy, but they were slacks. Right. And they would wear really nice shiny shoes. And uh, these, uh, I wouldn't call them trench coats either. I forgot what kind of coats they were called, but they were long. And like pea coats, yeah, type almost, of thing. kind of like that. Almost. Sort of like a British pea coat, perhaps. Uh, yeah, almost, almost similar to that. Yes. Okay. But I'm not too sure when they actually stopped dressing like that. Or, but I mean, I, it would have been cool to dress like that back in the day. Yeah, yeah. 
And that's uh, something I also have to say that I really like about this hostel is because every time I come down, it's like, you know, they're playing like the Roaring Twenties music yeah. here constantly. And this place is amazing. It's filled with like just all these antiques. You still have an old, you know, phone operator switchboard and stuff here. You got some Tesla light bulbs, you know, you got the old telephones, the old typewriters. I know. It's I'm, just, I'm pretty amazed of seeing this, this kind of stuff that we still have here. It's really, really authentic, it's original, back from the 1920s, 1930s, and man, it, it feels good to be a part of this history now. To actually see all this original stuff, yeah, it amazes me. And you it don't find that, and you don't find that much in the United States, honestly. You, you know, and that's what I've always. That's I think why a lot of Americans, you know, are drawn to Europe, even if they're not a budget traveler like myself. They've always enjoyed this, the history and the cobblestone yeah. streets. And you know the old castles and churches and yeah. various other structures you can find, and it's cool in a place like here because like the missions and stuff are really like yes. not some of them could probably use a little bit of restoration, but like there's like but in much better shape than yeah. lots of other places I, I've seen. I actually live off the the mission trail. Oh, okay. I do, and uh, well, since I'm I'm Tiwa, uh, my people back in the 1500s when they uh, they originated from like the Albuquerque New Mexico area and during the Pueblo revolt they got brought down here by the Spaniards I so see. they settled here back in the 1500s okay if I'm correct I think it was like 1560 1562 around there Okay. Yeah. So you're you're one hundred percent Native American? Not one hundred percent. I'm just uh, I'm a descendant from from my tribe. Gotcha. But but I mean most of us are because I mean throughout the years we I want to say breed we breed <laughs> uh, we bred with other other uh, what do you call it uh, tribes? Uh, just different. Uh, <laughs> I can't find that word. Oh man, I can't even. I can't even. Cross sex. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I mean, in this case, they'll be like, "Well, we, we crossed." <laughs> and our and our relatives, they had sex. Who yeah, knows? I, mean, <laughs> I, mean. I, I don't want to say inbred. No, I don't want to say that. But it's just that our, our blood is not pure. It's not one hundred percent anymore. Right, right. Because there's been so much, uh, you know, migration and stuff yes, over, exactly. over so, the centuries and stuff. I so assume. yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, okay, yeah, they made it with. Spaniards, uh, just we just didn't keep it in our tribe anymore, and so we're not pure. But we still try to keep the the traditions going and with the language as well, because that that that's almost they're almost considering our language to be extinct. Sure. Because uh, a lot of our, our our tribal members don't know the language. And they're not teaching it no more. And they're not really teaching it no more, exactly. Yeah, is, is there much emphasis here in El Paso to like re-invoke the language? Yeah, I think that's what they're, they're trying to do, especially our, uh, our tribal elders. They're, they're, they're trying to uh, get the younger generation to take the classes. And they're free also, so that's why they should take the, the chance and opportunity and take advantage of it. Yeah. So that way we can keep passing it down our younger generation yeah because i mean this place seems really rich in like the cultural heritage and stuff like that it you is. know and i kind of i don't know if this is a negative assessment mm -hmm. to say for me visiting this place 
but you know, I took a walk right down to the border crossing and everything. And I definitely got this feeling of like Homeland Security, ICE and everything, trying to shut down the, the cultural heritage of the city to some extent. Yeah. So I don't know if that's how you feel locally, but you know, I mean, it's just was kind of my impression because it's so border controlled yeah is the best way i can put it i don't i don't feel that way i feel like like the heritage still still growing strong you well yeah i mean i see it there and stuff you know but uh, but i i felt like it needs to come out more yes best way i get what you're trying to say yes but when when you went down there was like was there a lot of businesses open no and i think that's partially covid yeah i think that's what it is yeah, it's probably also has a lot to do with just me just having that kind of like Twilight Zone experience right, right now, you know, where it was like, I was like, oh man, this is like almost kind of reminding me of a Jewish ghetto that <laughs> I've seen in some countries in Eastern Europe, you know, where yeah. it's like, they're not real Jewish ghettos no more. And there's obviously no Adolf Hitler no more, but you can still see these old neighborhoods and stuff. And it just felt like it was like there was just that um authoritarian aspect that was trying to keep people in a box right and i didn't like that okay. <laughs> i don't know how to explain it but i think it was because there was so few people around mm-hmm. where i didn't get the jovial festive yeah energy I mean, that i would have liked to have um experienced more be, so so the pandemic yeah before the pandemic man it was so alive yeah, downtown, you, like, I'm not sure if you actually went through El Paso Street. Uh, no, I guess I didn't. I think you might have, because you said you were close to the, the border where, where the bridge is. I was by uh, Paisano Street. Uh, I remember that I was by St. Frain. I, uh, yeah, by the bridges. Uh, okay. No, I didn't go to the big bridge Okay. for the big border crossing. I went to the small one. Okay. You yeah, know. A, El Paso Street is the oldest the oldest street that we have right here in downtown. Okay. So all where all those businesses are, before the pandemic, man, it's so alive. There's so many people. Right. You and more I mean? people probably setting up like little, like maybe uh, puestos yeah. and stuff and yeah, doing like street food and things like this probably. Because yeah, I, I remember when I first started working here, I would take the bus and I would get dropped off in downtown. And when I would walk through that area, it, it just didn't feel the same to me. Right. Especially since I grew up over here and I would always see so many people, all the stores open. You see, you just see a, a bunch of foot traffic and you don't see that no more. Yeah. And it kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that really sucks. You know, and that's the other thing I've seen, like, you know, like money being put into the city too. You know, I saw the old theater. I saw the convention center. I saw the, the, the stadium for the football club. Nice. And, and all these things, you know, and so it's definitely, you know, like, you know, El Paso community strong. And I like that, but it was really made me feel bad because it, I kind of felt like, man, did they just like recently put all this money in and yeah. then the pandemic hit and then it's like, you know, like it just, everybody got like a bad 180 out of the deal. Right. Yeah. El Paso does have a, a lot of love for, for one another and I'm proud to, to call El Paso my home. Yeah. I do. <laughs> but so, uh, what, what do you think about the about what happened here? So you like, have to educate me, I think. Yeah, about, uh, let me see. It happened on August 3rd, 
August almost, almost two years ago. I don't know if I know it. About the the Walmart. I don't know. The, the Walmart shooting. No, I don't know that? about the Walmart shooting. No, really. Yeah, uh, some guy came from all the way from Dallas. Drove all over here just to, to kill people. Oh, I think I do remember that. Some yeah. racist, right? And he just came here. Was yeah. He, was he was he military also? Uh, no. No. No, he, he wasn't even ex-military. Nothing. He was just just mental mental yeah. imbalance and pretty racist much. and. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> wow. I didn't expect that to happen either, man. Especially uh, especially here in El Paso, you don't see stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now it's crazy. You don't have like the mass shooters and yeah. stuff like that, like Chicago or some rough city, you know, that you would assume to, you know, have more of like this kind of really tweaky, you know, outbreak yeah. and stuff. Like we've had one in um, one of our suburbs. It's called Clackamas, uh, south of Portland. At one point, we had a mall shooter and stuff, you know, and I yeah, don't think that was race motivated. I think that was probably class motivated oh, damn. or something but it's hard to tell i mean i mean either way i mean how can i don't understand how people can do that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah i have no idea i'm just yeah, they're insane that's for sure i'm happier <laughs> in europe where things uh, don't roll by this kind of uh wild west mentality of like yeah. you know solve your problems with ammunition and guns <laughs> <laughs> and other situational yeah, you know yeah, catastrophes yeah. it's almost like we glamorize it in our culture and it's very disturbing to me that it yeah. happens that way <laughs> i know i mean changing the subject I, <laughs> what do you think about my old town I, I mean, I've enjoyed it. I've, it's been a different experience. It's, it's, a, it's a different city unlike others in the re, in regards that, you know, that for a lot of the reasons you just brought up, you know, the cultural stuff, but, you know, yeah. just the fact that it's like a border city and stuff, you know, but so much more of the city is just right at the border, you know. San Diego is also a border city, but San Diego's got so much of that city away from the border and then once you get down further south to like communities like Chula Vista yeah. and stuff like this then it gets a lot more vibrant and a lot more ethnic. The rest of San Diego okay. is so, is very gringo, very white. Yeah. So it's not it's not like El Paso where the border is like so close like that? Yeah, no, totally no. Different. Yeah, no. San Diego's very elongated, right? Because there's yeah. lots of beaches to explore and okay. stuff. And then you have Coronado Island and then you have uh, Ocean Beach, Pacific Beach, Mission Beach, SeaWorld, and the the San Diego Zoo, and all that stuff is further to the north, and then it uh -huh. just kind of continues down the coast until you actually get to the border to cross into Tijuana. Oh, oh damn, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so it's so you don't have like downtown San Diego. You can't walk to the border. You still would have to drive through. Um, uh, several few communities till you actually get to the border crossing. Oh man! So there's actual communities. There's actually like homes and people that live around that area. Really wealthy people live in San Diego. I mean, most of the communities in San Diego are pretty wealthy. It uh -huh. it it gets a little poorer once you get closer to the border mm -hmm. and stuff. And but it gets you know more less American and more Hispanic or yeah Mexican. Okay. Wow, I did not know that. That's still amazing to know though. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, I guess going back to the, to like the history and stuff like that. 
El Paso does have a lot to offer. So if uh, if you guys are willing to come down to El Paso, you guys should. Yeah. What would be some of your favorite tips? Uh, what's your like favorite nature? What's your favorite food? What's your favorite like cocktails or dancing? I don't know. Let's see. Food-wise, Chico's Tacos is my favorite. I, I got to go at least once a week. Okay. I try. <laughs> okay. But definitely try try that. What makes them town. so much better than any other, like, taqueria? You know what? It's just that they're, the, the way they have it set up, it's original compared to other tacos. Because what it is, it's their roll tacos. They're actually flautas. Okay. But they call them tacos. And they have them uh, soaking in a red sauce. And they put uh, shredded cheese. Okay. And you just mix all that together and put some green salsa on it. Do they do any different types of meats and stuff like the suadero or like the pastor uh, or is it? I'm thinking they just, they just like, kept it with ground beef. It's, it's, it's real simple. Yeah, it's real simple, but it's really good though. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But definitely try that out whenever you're, you're in El Paso. Uh, let's see, drinks. I usually... My watering hole was called the, the Rock House, but I haven't been there in, in, a, in, a, in a good good while. Sure. But uh, that's that's my main spot right there because that's where live bands play uh, locally, uh, na- uh, internationally, uh, national touring acts also. Uh, some big names have actually played there, but that's, that's my main place to go is the Rock House. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What else did you ask me? Nature. Nature. Oh, I love going hiking here up on the Franklin Mountains. Okay. There's this one area. Uh, it's not very known to people, but it, you go through Trans Mountain, you park in the middle of the intersection, and it's about a 45-minute hike. Okay. You know what? I would not even consider it a hike because it's more rock climbing. Gotcha. Okay. So it's very, for somebody that's in good shape then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Make sure to take plenty of water. And what's cool about that place, I've been going up there since I was a kid. And once you get up there, it looks like you're actually in the woods. Oh, cool. And you would not expect to see something like that, especially here. Yeah, because it's mostly just seems to be kind of low desert with some high, yeah. high desert, like kind of mountain landscapes, like that sort of circle the city and stuff. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it, it's a beautiful sight up there. It's really, really green, especially when it rains. And maybe like a day or two after it rains really, really heavy. Yeah. If you go up there, you can actually see a stream up there too. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's great. And I've seen a lot of deer up there, so I'm pretty sure that's where they go. Oh, yeah, water. yeah. <laughs> they, they, know, they know where the getting's good. Yes, sir. <laughs> that's good. Yes, I, I love going up there. I'll continue to go until I can't anymore. Does El Paso have like its like niche musically? Would you say there's a type of music here that people um, resonate and say that's like kind of like our El Paso music, you know? Honestly, probably Spanish music. That's what you hear a lot. Like the mariachi, like the Jalisco yeah, mariachi? Like mariachis, uh, just Mexican folk music and reggaeton, all that stuff. I, oh, I'm reggaeton. Not into, yeah. I'm not really into it, but. <laughs> But, but it is El Paso. <laughs> it's El Paso. That's mainly what you hear, especially like when you're in downtown. That's, that's all you hear is Spanish music. Do you, um, you know, COVID aside, do you normally have like a lot of festivals here? Uh, let's see. I know we do have what's called the downtown, uh, what is it called? Uh, 
Man, I don't even remember because we haven't even had it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the Downtown Street Festival. There you go. We usually have that uh, during the summer, and they bring, they bring some pretty big bands. Okay. Uh, let's say they have the Neon Desert Festival, which is just a bunch of uh, DJs. Okay. So they bring, bring some pretty big names as well. Uh, and where is that in the city, like the, the Electronic Music Festival? I think they have it in downtown also. Oh, okay. Yeah, they close the whole uh, long part of the street. And I know, well, this year, this past year didn't happen, but the year before, yeah, it got pretty packed. There's a lot of people there. Oh, cool. Yes. But those are the main two festivals that I, that I know that El Paso always has. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And cool. what else? Balloon Fest also. Actually, I almost forgot about that one. That Com- one competing with Albuquerque? Yeah. But okay. th- th- it doesn't compare to that, though. Okay. I know Albuquerque has that. It's a lot bigger. It's more huge than what we, what we offer here. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> cool, though. Yeah, I, I, I've enjoyed it. They've, got, they've brought some pretty cool concerts. Yeah. That's one thing I miss, though. Concerts. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm, any music lover, I'm sure, yes. uh, can attest to that statement because it's just, you know, it's such a, such a drawback just not be able to just drink somewhere and get lost in, like, some really good music, you yeah. know, and, you know, be able to associate and socialize with, like, other artists yeah, and I stuff in your city and stuff, you know, that's, like, I feel like that's a very important thing that we've lost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean... I miss going to big concerts and especially uh, local local shows. Because I'm a musician too, so I, I've been used to playing gigs almost like once once a month or once every two months. Right. But like I said, with COVID, we can't do anything. Right. I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely been, um, you know, unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully this year, uh, I mean, things are slowly getting back to normal, but I, I still think that we should still take precautions and, I don't know, just stay home as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's the only way we're kind of going to get past yeah. the situation and stuff, you know. I, I find it kind of like we're in this weird, like, crossroads kind of COVID purgatory, if you will, right now, because <laughs> we're like, all right, well, now it's not about being tested, now it's about waiting for the vaccine. But is the vaccine going to work because there's new strains and it's just like, it, it's COVID purgatory. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't fucking get it. I can't make sense of it no more. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I know. And I've heard that people have been getting some really bad side effects from it. Oh, from the vaccines. From the vaccine, yeah. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing too because they've got like, you know, multiple manufacturers. So, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, are you going to go with Moderna or the Johnson Johnson, you know, the world's in the hot demand, but who's going to make the good one? And, and yeah, then, yeah, and, then money, and then naturally it's a pandemic, but somehow fucking money has to be become part of political politics all around the yeah. world. It's, <laughs> it's terrible, man. What's, what's going on in this disgusting. world right now? <laughs> yeah, it, it is disgusting. I mean, it's not just here, but all over the world. It's, it's just insane what's going on. Yeah. But it's just all for for the better. Yeah, that's all we can do right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like what they say. What is that one saying? Uh, expect the worst, but hope for the best. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. You got to be a realist in this world. <laughs> yeah, man, pretty much. Yeah. But it's terrible. 
Yeah. But let's hope, let's hope everything gets better and we go back to our normal lives. I think um, some respects, though, it's made, like, communities nicer to some extent, right? Because there's always been, like, you know, and, like, it's just like what they say, like, way back when, you know, New York used to be really rough and all the locals were just, like, kind of hating each other or whatever. And then, you know, when 9-11 happened, then they kind of came together, you know, for yeah. better or worse because, you know, that they could all feel each other's grief about the same thing. I think maybe the world's going through that a little bit to this extent too. Yeah. And so some parts of it might be good, but I can't stand what's happening on the world stage politically, but you know, hoping and, uh, this all changes too. <laughs> I, I'm hoping so. I hope, I hope so, man. And we all need to, to help each other out as much as possible and look out for one another, especially during these times. Yeah, yeah. I think we're doing as best as we can, you know, yeah. for the most part, you know. And bad situations, kind of, you know, scoffing and rude <laughs> here and there that go on with daily life. But I do feel like that's been minimized. Yeah. Like, kind of like with, with people fighting over toilet paper. Yeah. That, 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 that. And we were like the, the only country that was having this problem yeah. with, with toilet paper it's from one of Yeah, it was like. Okay, you know, like other countries, like you know, that are actually, you know, dealing with starvation and stuff, have a legitimate reason to fight over foods and grains and stuff. And then here we are fighting to just, you know, for our shit time because we are so self entitled. We all need our damn precious shit time. So, yeah, <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, man, it was just crazy. I would see it all over the news. I was like, come on, man, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, before I want to cut this interview with you, okay. um, you got a YouTube channel, and it's really pretty cool. You're oh, yeah. doing sort of like an El Paso version of, you know, ghost uh, investigation. And I want to yes. know if you'd like to talk about that and talk about your show. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, uh, we're called Borderland Paranormal Investigators. Uh, what we do is uh, we basically go to haunted locations and we just try to find ghosts. <laughs> yeah. And you know, people people have compared us to to like the other ghost tours that happen here, but we're nothing compared to what they do. All they do is just, uh, they get a large group of people, and maybe like 15 to 20 people, and they give a ghost tour of downtown, like the most haunted places. Sure. But they really don't take them into the buildings but what we do is we actually investigate these places and we put up our content on our YouTube channel and and so far we've, we've got some pretty some pretty cool stuff yeah know? but I'm still waiting for for something to move on its own right and you want that levitation that, yes I want to <laughs> see something move up a door open or close by itself or just a chair slide across the room on its own <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean, still waiting for that I, to happen. I don't know if everybody wakes up every morning saying, man, I really wish I could like actually <laughs> be the girl from Poltergeist and I could be stuck in that TV. Right. But, you know, I mean, I'm glad <laughs> that I'm glad that you wish to, uh, you know, understand the other side. Yeah, that, that's basically why we do it is to prove that there is life after death. Sure. That's, that's pretty much it. I put it because it's just when I was growing up, like I said, I grew up right here in downtown, one of the most historic uh, 
a neighborhoods in El Paso. And uh, I never experienced anything. And there was so much history there. Right. But then when I moved to the other side of town, that's when I started experiencing, like you said, poltergeist. Stuff moving on its own, lights turning on and off, doors opening up and closing by itself. Do you celebrate Dia de los Muertos? I have not celebrated it. No. I have not. So you don't have a connection where you like are trying to, I guess, like I was sort of speculating, maybe trying to understand ancestors or whatever. You're just yeah. trying to understand the spirits. Well, now that you mentioned it, maybe I should get into it. Maybe I should starting this year. Yeah. I should. But that's sort of something I'll probably think about. But I don't know. I, I, I do have family that do celebrate, but I, I don't. I don't do it, but I, I think I should from now on. <laughs> so before I conclude, I guess I got two questions I want to ask you, and, right. it's, and it's probably related to your show. Um, okay. First one will be: What do you consider like? What was your most like goosebumpy investigation? Uh, let's see. When we investigated uh, Sombras del Pasado, that place has a lot of history dating back to the early 1800s, late 1700s. Okay. It used to be a hacienda back then. Uh, we were seeing shadows. Uh, we did not see these uh, these orbs or light anomalies with our own eyes, but when we went back and we reviewed the footage, you could see them everywhere in one specific area that we were in. Oh, crazy. So like, they were just standing like, as they a group. They were everywhere, man. They were everywhere. And when we were trying to make contact with the spirit box, when we saw a shadow pass through the doorway, we're like, what, what the hell was that? And uh, I was checking to see if my camera caught it. Sure. Because it was aiming towards that way, but unfortunately we, we didn't catch it. And when I checked it, uh, man, I'm getting creeped out right now just thinking about it. Uh, there was a voice that came through and it was laughing at us. Oh no. It laughed right at us right after I checked the camera and I said, damn it, we didn't catch it. We didn't catch the shadow, so it started laughing at us. That's crazy. Yep. And it's on our YouTube channel, so if you guys want to check it out. And say the name of your show one more time. Borderland Paranormal Investigators. Borderland Paranormal Investigators. Paranormal Investigators. Yes. So Borderland, because like this is El Paso. Exactly. Yep. Borderland Paranormal Investigators yes. from El Paso, Texas. El Paso. Yes, and this has been my guest, Josh. Yes. And uh, one last thing before I leave, uh, where are, is your next like uh, place that you really, really are excited to investigate? Is it here in El Paso? Is it somewhere else in the world? Where, where are you trying to go? We're, we're, we're trying to stay locally, but right now, I guess with the whole pandemic, we're kind of limited. Sure. Investigating. Uh, El Paso does have a lot of uh, haunted locations to offer, but we're kind of limited, so we're trying to get out of El Paso. But the next place we're trying to investigate is in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Okay. At the Dona Ana County Courthouse. Oh, okay. And Ghost Adventures actually uh, investigated there. I don't really remember the episode, but I know they caught some pretty cool stuff there. So I'm pretty excited about going in and investigating that, that location. That sounds great. I'm excited. I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I imagine so. Well, um, that concludes uh, today's episode. Um, tune in next week, and I'm hoping that um, we can always keep uh, the life stamps new and fresh and everybody's stories from here and there active. 
Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of our excerpt from my interview with Josh in El Paso, Texas. Um, come check back next week, and there will be a new interview. And every week, continuing thereforth, there will always be a new interview on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. And not to mention, coming soon, this is my first episode, but in the near future, I will have an email link. Uh, posted in the description of each episode so you can email me your comments and I'll be more than happy to address those as they come in for any listeners that are curious on air live and then you can get your questions answered via email from me Tyson Stinger the host of your show thanks for listening see you next week